The 1990s were huge for computer-generated special effects in cinema. From the dinos in Jurassic Park to the planes in Air Force One, ones and zeros were becoming indistinguishable from real life on the big screen. By the end of the decade, the technology had reached such heights that George Lucas was able to create the first digitally rendered humanoid main character in a film for his 1999 Star Wars prequel. And everyone knows that there was absolutely nothing wrong with Jar Jar Binks, and so CGI became a given in summer blockbusters as the century turned. Another movie milestone was reached in 2000, when the first movie to ever employ computer graphics in every single shot was released. It was not a big-budget behemoth, however, but instead, as one of its three leads, John Torturo, put it, a hillbilly musical comedy adventure. The Coen Brothers' off-kilter take on Homer's The Odyssey utilized a brand new technique called all-digital color grading that enabled them to choose the color filter through which they wanted audiences to view each scene. And choose they did, altering every frame from beginning to end, including the ones featuring their former roommate, Holly Hunter. Guys, we have to talk about this wild roommate situation. We're the two gomers. We're talking, oh brother, where art thou? And this is Perfect Movie. podcast where two regular guys try to save the universe one great film at a time. This is Anthony speaking, one of those two aforementioned gomers coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, joined as always by my friend Steven, all the way out in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm just thinking as I was reading that cold open, another movie with a a question mark. Wait, we haven't done a question mark yet, have mm. we? A, a question movie? Nope. But this is a punctuation movie. Yep. Uh, and then we're going to do that thing you do next time. That's another punctuation movie with the exclamation point. Totally. And this has a comma, right? Oh it, yeah. <laughs> a comma. <laughs> wow. We're so, we're so lucky. A comma. <laughs> yeah. And, and we yep. did father of the bride last and now we're doing what it's a, it's another sibling in the mm. title. Mm-hmm. No, another family member, I should yep. say. So in the title. Sister wow. Act should be next. And then um, Mother! Exclamation point. Which we could do a <laughs> we could do a family member with a punctuation. Oh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Mamma Mia! Yes! Exclamation point. Exclamation point. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and a musical. And we have to talk about whether this movie is a musical also. Okay. Mm. You just heard Jason, our guest. Hi, Jason. What up? How's it going? Jason from the I'm trying to remember the name of your runner's block app was I deserve a drink or seven or was it six? Six. Six. Yeah. Six. Okay. Yep. Jason from that episode. Um I was Jason, we got a lot of comments about you being like just a down to earth Midwestern boy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Midwestern boy. (laughs) Yep. No, hey well. 
well, that's cool. I'll take it. Born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> I'll represent the blue collar life. That's, that's great, right? You're a landscaper, right? You own a landscaping business. Yes. Yeah. As of See? a year ago, officially, you know, a little, just over a year. Yep. So. Right. Yeah. So that's a very Midwestern boy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that what was, do you drink? Do you, do you drink beers when you're landscaping? <laughs> no, although it's pretty common for us to have empty beer bottles like on our mowers because they're laying in the ditches of the properties we mow. You know, people chuck oh, them out of their cars sure. and we have to clean them up. So, right. What's your feeling on the like the Roomba um, like lawnmower thing? Oh yeah, the little, good question. The little robot mowers. Um, I think within the next however many years, I don't know. 10 years more, I don't know, but I think the whole lawn world is going to look different for sure. I don't know if the, wow. I don't know if the lawn Roombas are necessarily the end game, but, uh, <laughs> but I think there's going to be, uh, leaps and bounds in that whole world and I'm huh. up for it. I'll, I'll go with whatever. Let's go with the flow. Okay. Well, what so, I really, really want, dude, I want some Midwestern sod put down here, man. I oh, love yeah. your grass. Oh yeah. I can't wait. I'm I'm going to Wisconsin tomorrow. And one of the things I'm looking forward to most is the grass. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna go mow some grass. People don't well, even yeah, get it. It's so rich and no. lustrous up there. Like I, I I know I'm gonna arrive and my eyes are gonna bug out when I see it. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we are we are coming out of a heat snap right now, so it's starting to get a little tinge of brown going, but still, still mm. it's pretty good. I'm I'm telling you what though it's going to look like the the like the Coen Brothers have put color grading on top of and made it greener. <laughs> I mean that's what Arizona looks like. And that that whole thing I was talking about in the cold open is them making Mississippi look like sepia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was too green mm-hmm. when they were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they needed to make it look more like I don't know like old timey. Well, um. This was yeah, like so kind that, of right after the depression, right? And right, I, yep. But you know, and I'm not saying during the depression the grass didn't grow, but <laughs> but um, yeah, you no, think there's the a feel there, you yeah. know, that they wanted to go for. Yes, definitely. So I think that what I'm going to feel like when I land in Wisconsin, in the Midwest tomorrow, is the opposite of that. Is like who put the color filter on everything? <laughs> I can't wait. Oh yeah. See. I, this is another one of those things where, like, now you can do this with your phone, dude. Like, Insta filter, just swipe. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, this was a big <laughs> yes. deal, right? Like, remember they, they did this a Huge lot in deal. Lord of the Rings? Yep. Like, everything in that yes. movie is colored. Like, or, like, tinted or um, changed. Le- like or sharpened. You know how, the, yeah. like, it's like a sharp, like that high contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, after, like, for some, okay, I got to show you guys something. Okay. Oh, sweet. How, remind me, how old are you, Jason? 34. 34, okay, yeah. so you're a decade younger than us. So you might not have had some, this thing that I'm going to show. So this, this movie came out in 2000, right? Yep, December like, 22nd, 2000. Kind of like the, ri- the rise of the DVD. Mm. Yes. So... I want to show you something I, I just found as we we're unpacking our house. So here is. Oh, uh, heck yeah. <laughs> look at this. Mm. A, DV, a DVD folder. 
Yeah. I have two of these. One yep. for kids' movies and one for grown-up movies. <laughs> yep. Um, we also had one of these for CDs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was big in this world, for sure. Okay. All right. So I was like, I swear. And, I mean, th- this is it's such a th- – this is why – I was thinking about this when I took this out. This is why some of these movies that, I've ta- that we're talking about on Perfect Movie, I've watched like 50 times. Mm. Because before streaming, this was your ch- choice every night. Totally. If you wanted to watch a movie, right? Like, so Jessica and I would sit down and we'd be like, okay, I guess we're going to watch City Slickers again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a gift from Anthony. Yeah. Or like Galaxy Quest. Look at this page I just opened to Galaxy Quest and City Slickers on one <laughs> wow. page. Um, and so we would watch. I mean, that's why I've watched Galaxy Quest. 30 times. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever realized that before. Like growing up in the, or coming into adulthood in the DVD age, I guess it's the same with VHS, but you know what I mean? Like you had a limited, unless you wanted to go to Blockbuster, which I always did, but couldn't always, yep. you had a collection that you would just choose from of 50 or so movies. Yep. And you just watch one of those. Yep. Did you, yeah, did you have well, one of those, Jason? Oh, yeah. Well, the funny thing about this movie is this is the first ever DVD that I watched. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and I still You're remember my mind. <laughs> so I was probably 12. That's really cool. About 12. Um, and it was one of these things where it was like Father's Day or Christmas or something. And it was like an excuse <laughs> to get a DVD player for the family. So, oh, let's get dad a DVD <laughs> player. You know, <laughs> yeah. Meaning the family's buying a DVD player. We just want one. <laughs> You know, and uh, so we got the DVD player and some, I guess we had heard this movie was good. My parents probably heard it was good and it was like fresh out onto DVD Yeah, and we popped it in, but we, you know, we still had like one of the old school TVs, like four, three mm-hmm. ratio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had no idea that there were different types of DVDs. There were widescreen ones and standard ones. <laughs> oh yeah, and yes, so we that put was this a huge thing. Yeah, we put this DVD in, and it has the black bars on the top and bottom, and it's yep. like shrinking it on our screen. And we spent <laughs> yeah. so much time trying to figure out the right settings to like get rid of the black bars. Yeah, it's like why is this happening? Dang it! How do you pan and scan this? Yeah. Ooh. So we eventually just gave up and watched it with the black bars and felt kind of sad. Sure. But <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. See, the the thing that I always feel bad about with these these cases that you have, Stephen, is like, and Jason yeah. is like, all the jewel cases of the CDs and all the boxes. They're just totally just naked. Actually, they're the not naked. Yes, and the, the albums and DVDs are naked, right? Well, that and that's funny that you say that because I don't know where any of the boxes are. Yes, to these. Right. I think I think I've probably thrown them away. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I certainly haven't seen them for a decade, and so I think we thought, well, who cares? Throw them away. And now mm-hmm. I really regret it. Hmm. Hmm. Oh well. Anyways, I was like looking through this thing, and I was like, I know I have the, I know I have the DVD to this movie because I've seen it thirty times. Yep. Right. Final page. I just want to show you the final page of my. <laughs> oh yeah. So look, School of Rock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Such a great DVD. Spinal Tap there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Shawshank. Oh, man. Which, that's the first DVD I owned. 
Shawshank Redemption. Mm. And then right there, baby, nothing flashy. Oh, brother, where art thou? <laughs> For the and finale. Like, it's, <laughs> right, it's the last one. It's the last one in the book. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, but maybe I'll take some pictures of these just because some of these pages are just like, here's a page with the never-ending story, sneakers, mm. the fugitive, mm. and rocket man. Oh, man. <laughs> that page is a party, dude. Oh, I man, know. that is so good. What a night that would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a long night, but I would I would be happy the whole time. Yeah. Um so you, Jason, you said you saw this movie when you were twelve. I I must have been twelve, yeah. Uh, okay, thereabouts, or twelve or thirteen, but yep. And I think at, um, I think at age twelve or thirteen, my viewing experience was a lot different than later on. It's definitely okay, evolved sure. over time, but yeah. Did you like this movie right away? I when I was you know when I was twelve, I thought it was interesting, kind of weird. Yeah. I didn't totally follow. Yep. I loved mm-hmm. Man of Constant Sorrow and instantly tried to learn it on my guitar. Yeah. Um, Do you have your guitar, dude? Uh, I am a man of Constant <laughs> Sorrow. Oh, dang it. I should have busted. Dang it. Oh, man. <laughs> I have mine here, but I can't play it. Got to bust out the opening guitar riff. <laughs> no, I definitely yeah. didn't know what to make of it quite. I was, you know, when you're 12, right. it's like, is this a comedy? Is this like... Yep. A right. drama is this, what on earth? But I did mm-hmm. like it. I just mm-hmm. I wasn't set out to view it again <laughs> until like college. I had this weird I, I had this weird experience where I I loved it right away. And then I found out that not a lot of people I knew liked it because of what you're saying, Jason, was that it's like weird. It is a it's a very weird movie. Yep. Yeah. And it's hard to define, like, uh, Anthony, you texted me this John Turturro quote where he was like a hillbilly musical comedy adventure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even even that feels a little bit off of what it is. Yeah, that's what he called it on the, the Charlie Rose yeah. interview. I don't oh, know if you watched that, but okay. I watched that interview. Uh-uh. Um, so it's like the Coen brothers and then John Turturro. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Blake Nelson who plays Delmar, and then mm-hmm. which I kept thinking it was saying Gomer. There's a couple times where it sounds like <laughs> well, Gomer, right? Yeah. I mean, if only yeah the, his name was was Gomer, that would have been amazing. Oh, man, yeah. There were a couple times though that sounded like Gomer, and then George Clooney. Uh, yeah. It actually wasn't that good of an interview because like they were like laughing the whole time, sort of like uh-huh. it's a little bit wasn't the best. Maybe it's because there were like six people. Yep. You know what I sure. mean? That's kind of hard to do a round mm-hmm. table like that. Um, yeah. But it was good. And that's what he said about it. All right, so I feel Jason. like this is a movie that if I'm going to recommend it to somebody, I, it, it, it like almost has to come with a disclaimer. Mm, <laughs> yes. Of like, yeah. okay, I, it's, good. it's a little out of the box. It's a, it's a little, it's strange, but like give it a chance yeah. here. And I knew when mm-hmm. I picked yeah. this one as my, pick to have on the show i was like it might be an uphill battle but i think it's a battle worth fighting <laughs> well yeah i i, th- I think you're su- that's a really good way of describing this movie is that it needs a disclaimer mm. and so i i think probably what i would and i have recommended this movie before um and the way that i have put it is it's it it's weird but if you embrace the weird you're gonna love it uh. um because it is it, it's odd and it's um, the, the, one of my pieces of evidence, I think, also helps 
me helped me embrace it right away instead of being turned off by it. Um, but there, I think Coen brother Coen brothers movies in general have this effect where there are people that like it right away and people that are pretty turned off by the weirdness of a Coen brothers movie. It's a unusual way of telling a story that we're not used to. Like it's not always super linear and also just, some of the well, we're going to talk about the dialogue a lot, but sometimes you're like, "What? What did they just like?" You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I don't even. I, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, man. Aaron came in. I was watching this. <laughs> I, I I watched it uh, like the first half the other day, and then I finished the other half um, just because of the way our schedule was the last couple of days. And um, she came in. She saw me watching with subtitles, bro. She caught me. <laughs> Yeah! Wow. She caught, she's like, <laughs> close your laptop real Wait, quick. No. What are you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I actually turned him on at first because I was like, is he saying Gomer? Uh huh. <laughs> sure. Yep. Um, but but I, I, I'll say because you've been trying to convince me about subtitles for a long time, and I've been like yeah. kind of making fun of you, um, you know, in in fun, of course. Um, the thing that I love about subtitles is song lyrics. Oh, like, that's a good call. Song lyrics, yep. I don't pick up on very well because I'm like I'm listening mm. to the music, or sometimes it's very mm-hmm. background, and you can't yeah. even understand. So song lyrics are really fun with subtitles because you're like, oh, that's really on the nose why they picked that, or maybe oh, it's yeah. just kind of incidental that that you know fit perfectly, or that yep. It didn't quite match, you know. So song lyrics is is a bonus uh, to watching with subtitles. I, I love it. Yeah, that's a great call, and I it makes me want to watch this movie again now with subtitles. Yeah. Wait, you didn't? Nope. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it that, so but well. But that's only because I I have every line memorized. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but the but the but I do think that there are songs. And we can talk more about the music, but there are songs in because there's a lot of like old gospel songs in this movie, uh-huh. yeah. right? Oh, death is one that I can think of that I don't think I know the lyrics to, sure, because it's such a stylized kind of singing. Yeah, um, and I it, that that's I, I feel like, and maybe I will right after this record, just go watch that scene, sure, with subtitles on. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. A, it's weird. I want to read the VHS, the back of the VHS, because I, I, it, it's so you know, on the back of a VHS, they like put it together. Where I was like, oh, okay, I think I understand the plot now <laughs> after I read the VHS. But let's can we can we look at the um, one sheet first? Yes. Okay. Let's let's look. Let's let's go down a little bit of the one sheet. Oh, brother, comma, where art thou? Question mark. Um, o mm-hmm. without O H. Right. Like just the letter I, O. Yep. The way I like when I was researching for this, like I would like talk it into my phone because it's a really long uh-huh. title for a movie, right? Like, yep. Think about <laughs> the fugitive, or like you know, sneakers, sneakers. Any of those that I just showed, <laughs> right? Um. So, anyways, um, comes in in an hour and forty-seven minutes. PG thirteen uh, came out in December twenty-second, two thousand. Budget was twenty-six million. Gross at the box mm-hmm. office, forty-five million. Not, I mean, that's not a, not crazy. Um, I think, I think it actually I read had somewhere a li- that the soundtrack made more money. Mm. Is that possible? Very possible. Yeah, probably yeah. did. It was a big, Huge. big hit. 
Yep. Yep. Um, was nominated for two Academy Awards, uh, best screenplay, best adapted screenplay, um, but it mm-hmm. lost to Traffic, and it yeah. was nominated for um, best cinematography, and it lost to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is beautiful. Yeah. Right. Like, um, now here here's something that's interesting. The well, cin- hold on. Oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> Sweet. Traffic. I have that on DVD. Yes. In my, in my, in my DVD folder. How about, how about Crouching Tiger, dude? I don't think I have it in here. That's a, okay. that's a good question. I don't think I have it. That's, that's kind one. of a fun game. Do I have it in my yeah. DVD I have, or not? Dude, yep. I have three of those like in the next room. And then we keep yep. a 24 one, like the single kind, like in our car mm-hmm. at all times. Awesome. It's got yeah. like, still has Thomas the Train, which we don't watch anymore, but like a lot of Pixar uh-huh. and Space Camp never yep. leaves that. So, <laughs> um, okay. But, anyways, I took a little bit of a deep dive with cinematography. Richard Deakins was uh-huh. a cinematographer, and apparently he's like this legendary cinematographer, did a lot of Denis Villeneuve, um, the Coen Brothers stuff, um, 1917. Mm-hmm. Was that, that was. Who did 1917? Um, Is that Nolan? Sam Mendes. Oh, no, right, it's right. not. It's, it looks like Nolan, but it's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm confusing it with Dunkirk. Um, right. But super duper different than Dunkirk, obviously. Um, yeah. But he's just like a legendary cinematographer. I'm, I, I think I want to kind of like look out for that a little bit more. It's kind of mm-hmm. fun to like to see, yeah. see people that you like the way that they shoot like just like how I listen to the music all the time could or you know maybe we could take a deep dive on props or costumes Ooh, I, lo- I love props yeah like set design we talked about on Father of the Bride um yep a couple other things uh Rotten Tomatoes comes in at 78% critic 89% um audience score now yeah Ebert now Jason Jason texted us earlier Uh-oh. today cuz Ebert gives Uh-oh. us two and a half stars this was not his favorite Cohen brothers. Yeah, I got a bone to pick there. Mm. I used to respect <laughs> this man. No, <laughs> it's gone. No, I wonder. No, if this I mean, is- it goes. It's it's the same thing. I I'm obviously kidding, but like I don't. There's there's plenty. There's going to be a lot of polarized opinions about a Cohen brothers movie and this sure. one. And I would totally I totally get if a critic or if any given person takes umbrage with certain things about it. So I say it in jest. I mean, there's, there are things to be picked apart. There's some of those things is debatable, whether they end up being good or bad for the movie. Hmm. So we've got to make the case, right? Yes. Yep. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Um, Two other things of note. I just like the idea. I was looking up some music like with arms wide open being like the top, the number three (laughs) song. You know, like just imagine. Arms wide open. You know, my, do, you, you know, do you know my connection to that song tone? Oh, was that speaking Krista of Nate? Speaking of weddings, <laughs> yes. So I sang right. "With Arms Wide Open" by Creed. Did you play guitar? Wow. I think wow. so. At Chris and Nate's wedding. Yep. And the lyrics were rewritten. Right. <laughs> to to be wedding themed. Right. And I mean, I. I'm embarrassed to say I think I was doing a I can't remember the name of the guy, the Creed guy. But Scott I'm, Stapp. Oh, it's Scott there Stapp. <laughs> I think I was doing a Scott Stapp thing. Oh man, and dude. 
I know. I'm, yes, I'm, getting, I'm getting some straight up goosebumps thinking about it. I, I actually think, here's the thing. I actually think we sounded really good. Yeah, probably I think pretty we were good. Playing, I think we were both playing guitar, dude. <laughs> And I think we start. I think we sound really good, but I mean, you you are just firmly placed in the year two thousand. Yes, when you hear that song, right? For sure. And we were talking about make your make the wedding your own, make it contextual, and they did that with that. I mean, it's it's just like a two thousand wedding, and I I was I couldn't remember if we had played together on that. I think that probably that sounds right, dude. I mean, (laughs) that yeah. I mean, I I looked up current events for December twenty or two thousand. Yeah, and then you just remember. Remember, we like didn't have a president for like a month yep. or like two yeah. months, hanging yeah. chads and stuff. Um, <laughs> All but, that. Yep. Um, but the last thing I wanted to go over is just looking at the movies released yep. that time. Yeah. So Jason, you would have been in two thousand. You would have been eleven. 12. I think I, I, or, I, yeah, I think 12. 12 yeah. Sorry, 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I mean, it depends on what, you know, yeah, in 2000, sure. yeah, 11 or uh, I'd be 12 for most of the year, I guess. So, yeah. So, this See, is 12. like Jason's 92 for us, or Jason's, Jason's like 1991, totally. 1992 for us. <laughs> were, did, were you, did you go to movies in the theater a lot when you were a kid? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I probably didn't have quite the, the love for the cinemas, you guys, sure. but I mean, I did love me some movies for sure. Did you see any of these mm. on the list that you see? Yeah, like 12 year old Jason went to Family Man <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> or Castaway. Would you have seen that in the theater? Oh man, yes. Castaway, that's one of my most memorable theater experiences. Really? Because I was like just old enough to really get into a movie like that. Yeah. I think it almost felt like adult. Yes. You know? Huh. <laughs> yeah. When you're like 11 or 12, you know. Yep. Uh, Loved it, and it's super easy for a kid to follow. What, sure. what about know? what about this one? Did, did you go see this one in the theater? That one I saw on DVD. Okay, when I after it was out, maybe I was more like thirteen or fourteen. Gladiator, Gladiator. I just pulled that. From yes, the, I and just pulled that from. The I'll DVD never case. forget that. I'll never forget like the first five minutes that dude's head just getting cut clean off. <laughs> right. I mean, that, <laughs> that was a lot for a thirteen-year-old. That movie goes hard <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that, I was definitely in that whole wheelhouse. Yeah, yep. just ten years behind you guys. So. Yeah, hanging on coattails. <laughs> there's a couple. There's there's several on here, dude. That I uh, that we have on our list that we haven't done yet. Yeah. So oh, man. I, I mean, I, it was a good year. Yep. I I just I wrote LOL next to Mission to Mars. That would have to be an Anthony's choice. Oh, that is not gonna make it on here because I went to that with crowds. Like you know how like I went to the theater too, dude. Okay, yeah, like you go to visit people because Krause at this point was in L.A. Yeah, I think San Dimas, man. Um, and uh, he, and so like you know went to visit, and then we went to that. Yeah, you know because you always go to a movie when you visit somebody, especially in college, because it's like what else are you gonna do? <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> um, and I just yeah. remember it being so dumb. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, it has Mars in it, which is a yep, which is a positive for you, right? That I mean, might you like be, Mars, but it's not like you know Ridley Scott Mars. You know, give me Rocket Man any day. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> 
Wait, Jason, have you seen Rocket oh. Man? Yes, that was a revelation as a okay. young lad. <laughs> I okay, love good. this. All these like really important movies in Jason's life. <laughs> Rocket Man. What's that guy's name? Yeah. Harlan Williams. Cast away. Gladiator. Rocket Man. No brother. Where I'm All the big ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let me read the back of the VHS, and you'll see what I mean. Where you're like, oh yeah, that's the plot. Mm. Um, on the top, it says, the best film of the year. It's the guy from the Chicago Tribune. Hmm. Um, now, I, d- I did manage to find the VHS cover. Nice. Not in real life. I don't have it on my... It, 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 I think it's probably pretty rare because the, I, I know this, especially because I was a Blockbuster employee around this time. This was definitely the VHS is on the way out mm-hmm. sure. era. Yep. Um, okay. But I did... I, I was able to dig it up online says this disenchanted with the daily drudge of crushing rocks on a prison farm in mississippi the dapper silver-tongued ulysses everett mcgill george clooney the perfect storm (laughs) 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 just wait till you hear these people that was that same year though that was that same year yes very uh, you will hear that very obviously they just have taken each of these people's latest movie okay yeah to, to 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 be like, remember, honey, from the perfect storm is George Clooney, right? Um, ER busts loose, except he's still shackled to his two chainmates from the chain gang, bad-tempered Pete, John Turturro, Summer of Sam, don't know it, and sweet, dim-witted Delmar, Tim Blake Nelson, Hamlet, with hmm. nothing to lose <laughs> and buried loot to regain, before it's lost forever in a flood. The three embark on the adventure of a lifetime in this hilarious offbeat road picture. Populated with strange characters, including a blind prophet, sexy sirens, and a one-eyed Bible salesman, John Goodman, Coyote Ugly. Oh, it's what? an odyssey. <laughs> what about so Roseanne, they, yeah, this, dude? Yeah, exactly right. Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, we got to take his latest credit, Coyote Ugly. Okay, (laughs) now listen to this ender. It's an odyssey filled with chases, close calls, near misses, and betrayal that will leave you laughing at every outrageous and surprising twist and turn. Odyssey, in my opinion, should be, like, italicized. Mm. But they they show some restraint here and and just leave it in as a little Mm. Easter egg. Uh So good job. Yeah. Um... Good news, everybody. It's in color, mostly sepia. <laughs> 103 minutes, a good length, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, PG 13. And then at the bottom it says, also available on DVD, Ooh. <laughs> which I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honey, it's also available on DVD. <laughs> okay, get that one. <laughs> so, like I said, I've not been able to dig this one up for my VHS collection yet, but here's hoping. Um, Okay, we should go into the trial, but first I have an apology. Okay. Jason called me out on Instagram. Was it Instagram? Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah. He said, you just, it was on the Father of the Bride result show where I was just apologizing for mixing up Martin Short and Steve Martin. <laughs> and then I called Martin Short's character in Three Amigos, Dusty Bottoms. Oh, no. Mm. 
I'm so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> when I know his name is Ned Niederlander because he's a little German kid actor, right? With Lederhosen and stuff. What? Yeah. <laughs> and Dusty Bottoms, I think, is Chevy Chase. I wasn't even confusing Steve Martin and Martin Short. I, I, Chevy Chase is in the mix, and it was confusing me. So I'm sorry, Jason. I turned into a whole me? tangled web. <laughs> That's true. Of misidentifications. <laughs> yes, from the 1986 hit. Three yeah. Amigos, which I think I saw first at noon on Fox. You know, like on Sundays when they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just show Men in Black. Right. That was definitely, Three Amigos was definitely a Sunday at noon on Fox. Movie okay. With a sure. lot of commercials. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like more commercials than movie, it felt like. Mm-hmm. For a four-hour extravaganza. <laughs> Three Amigos. <laughs> an hour and 40-minute movie. We have stretched it out to four hours. <laughs> All right. I say we go into the trial. There's a lot to talk about. All right. Let's yeah. do it. Let's go. Hello, sir. How's my little girl? <laughs> he ain't our daddy. I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn paterfamilias. Now Mama's got a new bow. Job. Bernie's got prospects. He's bona fide. What are you? You can't marry him. I can't, I am, and I will. This uh, gentleman bothering you? Well, you can't marry my wife. And stay out of the Woolworth. To get back to his wife and kids, Ulysses Everett McGill will do anything. Hey, any boy, Smitty. But he's about to get off on the wrong track. Who elected you leader of this outfit? Well, Pete, I figured it should be the one with the capacity for abstract thought. Boys, just stick with me. We're in a tight spot. Believe me, I got a plan. And I can get my wife back and we can get out of here. Okay, I'm with you fellas. Introduces Pete. I've seen him first. Pete! <laughs> Them sirens loved him up and turned him into a horny toad. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. Well, allow me to introduce myself. Big Dan Tootcore. Hey, what line of work here, George? Come and get me, Captain! <laughs> oh, George, not the livestock. Wait a minute. Since we've been following your lead, we got nothing but trouble. You have eluded me for the last time. Ah! I got the answers. I'm bona fide. Maybe your friends think I'm just a stranger. I think you never see no more. But there is one part. Honey, you're gonna go far. Ever been with a woman? I gotta get the family farm back before I can start thinking about that. All rise. Hey, how's it going over here? Can't wait to talk about little brother where art thou? Oh, dude, I want to hear you guys sing and again. Sounded so good. <laughs> Anthony, do you remember the lyrics when we oh, yeah. rewrote? We are the Gomers running 26 to. <laughs> I don't think we ran 
I don't think we wrote other lyrics than that. No, nope. <laughs> we just <laughs> we like sat to. around for like an hour getting the harmonies right. Me, you, and Alex. Yep. It was good. We are two gombers running 26 <laughs> two. Oh, very cool. That was the first marathon, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Which was yeah. 2000 what? 2009, 2010. Yeah. So why, why were we singing this so much? I mean, just because it's awesome. Yeah. It is, it is a really good song. And I mean, I'm wondering, Jason, if you're going to get into that in your evidences, but uh, if you don't, get ready. Um, but let, let me just I go through thoughts. the rules. You know, I love the rules. So mm-hmm. this is perfect movie. What we do is we pick a movie we love. Sometimes we have a guest in. Hi, Jason. Hi. Jason brought a movie that he loves. And we act as his defense counsel for the rest of our time together. And we present evidence, usually two a piece. I'm wondering how this is going to go. Um, I, I've brought a couple. I know Jason has brought some. Anthony probably has some. We'll just It'll be freewheeling and fancy free. Um, so... We attempt to prove to each other, to you, the listener, that the movie is perfect. When we're done, listeners act as judge, jury, and possibly executioner because in two weeks I get a vote, Anthony gets a vote, Jason and listeners get a vote. I'm guessing he's going to say yes, so it's kind of like a <laughs> given. But if 75% of our listeners say yes, that's a yay for them. And if we get three out of three, I'll have to buy the VHS, send it to Job of the Hut. Mm-hmm. At the end of, or in the middle of episode four, so he's distracted and doesn't show up. And then he gets a deathbed conversion similar to, uh, what's his name? George Clooney's character? I forgot already. Oh, Ulysses, Ulysses Everett. Everett McGill. Yeah. Everett, yeah. He has a deathbed conversion. It doesn't stick, <laughs> but he does have one in this movie similar to that. Um, but he doesn't get saved like George Clooney. He gets strangled anyway. By ah. Princess Leia, and he dies. But we try. <laughs> and he doesn't see a cow on top of a a roof. <laughs> nope. Right or a, a roll top desk. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So Jason, you saw this movie when you were twelve, and you have come to love it enough that it was your choice to bring. The, you, you have one chance, bro, and you brought it onto perfect movie. But obviously. You have grown to really appreciate this movie, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, I like we kind of alluded to earlier, there's some weird stuff about this movie. But to me, mm-hmm. it's just presented so many opportunities to think about things outside the box. Mm. Um, I love a movie that kind of blurs reality and fantasy or reality and mm-hmm. symbolism or imagination. Or This movie yeah. kind of has the look of something very real very grounded in dirt mm. and yeah. cars, you know, like clunky old cars and, you know, just tangible yep. things. Yet the whole feel of the movie also feels kind of surreal and a bit supernatural. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's a weird blend, which I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great way of describing it. I think that the, well, I don't know if I'm going to chunk in so early. I want you to give an evidence first. How about that, Jason? And then I'll. But j- what what you're saying is kind of jogging my my brain. But I don't want to jump in. Okay. Before our guest, that would be rude. That would be rude, well, man. <laughs> I, uh, do you want us to? Do you want me to chunk in for you, dude? Well, actually, okay. I think. Sorry, I'm th- I'm throwing you off here. I'm throwing you off here. Oh. Calling an audible. Okay. No, I think there's something about this movie that I wanted to get to pretty quick. 
that can almost okay. evolve into an evidence maybe, but it's, so this has to do partly with the beginning of the movie and also maybe a major stricken. Um, okay. So I don't know, okay. if, I don't know if you guys sensed this or felt this, but I've listened to some other in the past, like before we even decided to do this movie, I've listened to a couple podcasts about this movie or, you know, from years ago. And one of the big yep. problems, one of the big gripes people have is the fact that it's set in the, in the Southern United States in the 1930s. And there are yeah. practically no black characters. Mm. Um, yep. Right. Yep. And with I significant mean, so roles. I've also heard that I, I've also heard that the black characters are treated badly. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so I, w- I was thinking about this last night when I was watching it. Um, mm-hmm. how, how to talk about a movie set in that time and place that plays a little bit with <laughs> the, the, the way life was then that can come off as, uh, maybe even racist, right? Like, sure. um, there there are there is a whole dance sequence of Ku Klux Klan members. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um and I will tell and you that's one of my favorite scenes and I'm not quite sure how to talk about the fact that it is. Um so it's interesting that you bring that up right away, Jason, is that it it does feel that this movie does feel a little complex when it comes to race. Yeah. I mean it, it in one sense it takes it head on and and yep. then in another sense um you know i think one of the critiques i'd heard of it was you know it was like whitewashed or something you know it was it was all about these mm-hmm. white men and their white struggle and their white everything um in a, yeah. but given the the fact that i mean we literally see a, a ku klux klan meeting and stuff you'd think yep. there there'd be more of that um uh, that tension, yeah. you know, but you know, the, yeah, I see the thing though, that I have, to me, I totally understand that concern. I also feel like, um, to me, it is not a stricken and mm-hmm. I had a few reasons why. Um, okay. Okay. Like for example, I heard, you know, somebody criticized in the movie saying that they felt the three leads should have been black characters and, you know, should have been mm-hmm. based on, on their experiences to me. Okay. The very opening of this movie to me kind of addresses this. All right. They're on the chain gang. Okay. They're breaking rocks. And, uh, as far as I can tell, every single other prisoner except them is black. And then it is a hundred percent. Every single other person watching. And then they literally just leave. They just walk away across Mm -hmm. an open, empty field. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And yep. they kind of yep. duck down every 10 seconds or whatever, but they literally pretty mm-hmm. much just walk out the door. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And the guards are so focused on the the task at hand, which, you know, to me was pretty obvious, kind of symbolic of like, okay, if three black men had gotten up and ran across that field, it would have been a different mm-hmm. story. But instead, mm-hmm. these guys just kind of sneak away and that's, and that's that. And to me, it sets the whole tone of this movie that these yeah, guys, wow. particularly Everett, just keeps landing on his feet, no matter how little integrity he has, no matter yeah. how, mm-hmm. how bad of life decisions he's made. He and you know he's kind of the embodiment of 
privilege, I guess. <laughs> Even mm. though he's wow. not living a life of luxury and privilege, he's a white guy who's good looking and smooth talking. And he just keeps coming out on top and crediting himself for it. Um, yeah. And to me, that's kind of half the point of the movie is seeing this guy's lack of development and all the magical things that are happening around him and all the forgiveness that <laughs> yeah. keeps getting extended towards him. And he just huh. chucks it in the trash <laughs> over and over and over and wow. then pats himself on the back. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to me, it, it would change the entire point of the movie if they had, if they had reversed this from the get go, this is to me, this movie is an indictment of Everett. Um, as pretty as yeah. his pet, mm. as he as he may look and sound, he's a, a messed up character who unfortunately doesn't learn much by the end. But there's still things to be learned from the movie, which we can talk about. Yeah, wow, dude, yeah. coming in hot, man. I think of that other scene when they're um, act, you see the chain gang again, kind of toward the end of the movie, and they're on the back of that truck. Yeah, yeah, and they just ride right through. Yeah. And yep. these are wanted criminals, right? Like fugitives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the guards don't see them. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I hadn't honestly, I hadn't thought about your take on it until now, and that actually makes more sense of that scene to me. That yeah. Really well, does. and the thing is, when they finally get called out as whatever you want to say, troublemakers or whatever, by yeah. the clan governor candidate, his main, mm -hmm. his first complaint yep. is. <laughs> you know, yep. he, right? Because he yeah. saw them with the That's smushed main... up, uh, you know, faces, <laughs> yep. and so his yep. main complaint was these boys is not white. In his words, it mm -hmm. wasn't. Hey, mm -hmm. look at how they hurt the community with their transgressions. So it's yeah, right. yeah it it's interesting. <laughs> There's something about th this this watch through that I was like, who who is this George Clooney character? Right, like he he's so like he is charming. And he, he's silver tongued or whatever, mm -hmm. but I think it's it's funny, Jason, that you're saying like he doesn't actually develop at all during the movie. <laughs> he he you, like I mentioned, he has a deathbed conversion, but immediately after they get saved by the flood, he denies that right. it was because he prayed or anything anything spiritual or miraculous. Yeah. Um, he's constantly like, "I'm better than you." And I deserve the world, and it's such a it's such a it, it's an interesting thing that you mentioned privilege because we just talked about father of the bride, which is a different kind yeah. of privilege, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's yeah. The, it's he just assumes I can just have whatever I want, and he kind yeah. of then does in the movie, and it's a little jarring and pretty funny, um, but yeah, I, I really love the take. It's great. Yeah, well, and and he's willing. You kind of want to get on his side as the movie goes on, but mm -hmm. he was literally willing to throw away his, um, Delmar and Pete's lives for his own yep. ha happiness. I mean, uh, you know, yep. that scene, you know, 84 years old. I had two weeks left on my sins. I couldn't wait two weeks. You'd get married tomorrow. My added time for the escape. I don't get out now to 19... 87. No, I am sorry about that. I'll be 84 years old. Uh, and mm -hmm. he was just like, well, you know, them's the breaks, you know. 
I had right. to stop my wife yeah. from getting my ex-wife from getting remarried. So I mean, that's how it goes. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. But you know, another thing which I and I think uh, this would be maybe my my first evidence uh, mm-hmm. official. I know we just talked about all that, Ooh. but I'll I'll chunk in for you. But dude. one of my okay, he's gonna chunk in. There we go. All right, gonna chunk in. I uh, I love a movie where the protagonist is either a little unclear or the protagonist is not the hero of the story because uh, I think okay. it makes for some wrestling with the plot, uh, wrestling with the message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, like I have kind of another example, although a very different character. Another one of my favorite movies, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, mm-hmm. Tevia, the the dad, is kind of the protagonist of the movie, not the hero of the movie. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. his three daughters building upon each other's the previous one's courage to challenge the the powers that be. You know, they, to me, are the heroes of the story. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of tension there. It's like you have to acknowledge the flaws in the protagonist. You have to wonder when his motives are right yeah. or wrong. You have to wonder sure. is are his goals worth you know the hurt the hurt that he causes along the way? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so with Everett, he has less redeeming qualities than Tevia, but um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in this movie, but they're here, both great singers. Yeah, both great singers. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I I yeah, love so. the the uh, I love the uh, the tension that that causes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, so then it's not the typical hero's journey, like that. That might be part of like when we were talking at the top. Like this is like this movie does require some explanation, and I think we definitely are used to that that sort of sort of storytelling where the protagonist is the hero, and then uh-huh. we get to like live vicariously through that and see them. Um, grow and then like I want to grow like that and then I want to be a hero like that right this is right I like I don't like was there a character in this that you related to or like saw yourself in (laughs) well yeah I mean I I do I do think that there's that's a good question like who who do you want to be in this maybe be as handsome as George Clooney sure the hair yeah, the, um, totally. The Dapper Dan dude. We need to get you some Dapper Dan, bro. <laughs> I should get some Dapper Dan. Um, I mean, I guess the most honorable character, I think, is probably Tim Blake Nelson, right? The mm. Delmar. Mm-hmm. But he's dumb. <laughs> and then Pete is kind of like mean. Yep. Um. And even Holly Hunter's character is unreasonable. Sure. So I don't. There are a whole bunch of flawed characters, and maybe that's just the again the Coen Brothers of it all. Right. Like nobody is actually good. Right. No, I mean yeah. I feel like the one. I, okay, the blind prophet at the beginning. Um, yeah. I mean, he only shows up at the beginning and the end. Um, I think he's the only one that you can look to as like, all right, this is somebody uh, who you should at least listen to. <laughs> he probably got some yeah, wisdom right, right here. Um, yes. And to me, you know, he's always represented, you know, we have the, the devil character of the police chief yeah. 
uh, or mm-hmm. whoever. And then the blind prophet, maybe in some ways, kind of represents the God character a little bit. You know, kind of mm-hmm. sees the yeah. path that's laid before them, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and kind of can see the future, I guess, a little bit. I don't know if it's that perfect of an analogy, but but um, yeah. but yeah, there's not a lot of characters that you can really latch onto, and you know, to me, it's it's more about to me it's almost a character study and just acknowledging all these flaws. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. Yep. I mean, even Tommy has sold his soul to the devil right. and doesn't really seem to care about that, right? Right. Well, I wouldn't use him. He says. But, <laughs> I wouldn't use yeah, him. <laughs> He, I, I, it was, it was a, a cool turn of phrase though, where he, they were like, "What does the devil like? Devil look like?" And mm-hmm. they're like, "He's kind of like you guys, right? Like he's white <laughs> and, and has a big old hound." Yeah, <laughs> big, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so that man, dude, I, I just have to like just drop that. I love that actor um, that plays the sheriff. Shoot. Oh yeah, who is I, that? I, I couldn't place it, I him. It down. Uh Daniel Von Bergen. Uh uh-huh. so he plays Kruger in Seinfeld. No here Kruger. Um, <laughs> right. Okay, got and, it. So it's the final season of Seinfeld and he's George's boss. Yeah. So like it was one of those things that I forgot. Like I, I mean, like, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen this movie in ten years. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least, maybe fifteen years. So I couldn't remember almost any of it until I watched it this week. Um, yeah. And when he came in, I'm like, "Kruger, what's up, dude?" And he's like, <laughs> "Totally the devil." Um, so that's obviously not cool. But uh, he was really good. Um, yeah. But like this, this whole uns- or like this whole ensemble is very Cohen Brothers, right? Like, yeah, you know when you're watching this, like there's John Goodman, John Turturro. Uh-huh. I mean, those yep. are two that are in everything. Like, I mean, John Goodman can make a a, a transformation like like uh, like no other. Like, I can't even believe yeah. that his character in this that that's the same. Like, Big Big Dan, what's his name? Big Dan mm-hmm. Teague. Yeah, that that's <laughs> that that is the same dude from Big Lebowski. Like, how is that the same actor? Uh, and and it's. Uh, Roseanne's husband, and right? It's and also it's, Roseanne and president in West Wing, or not president? And and it's Sully. Um, oh yeah, Sully, right? And Sully Sullen, not Sully Sullenberger. Sorry, that's right. the guy who <laughs> landed the plane. That's, that's Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks, dude. Sully, Sully from Monsters Inc. Yeah, um, yeah. It, he's he's so good. Everybody is so good. Mm-hmm. I think they're all giving incredible performances. Um, also. Steven, something we've been talking about lately, just, just like injuries in movies. Yeah. If if somebody hit me in the face with a a a, a stick like that, dead, dead, dead. <laughs> Jason, do you agree with us? Like, if have you ever been in a fight? Have you ever, has, has anybody ever punched you? Not no, not like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, been punched, but by a kid, not by John Goodman with a bat. Yeah. basically, dude. <laughs> like the way, like. George oh, just like spits him. out that corn and just like wriggles on the ground, <laughs> yes. dude. I'm like dead. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. That's that's rough. <laughs> yeah. So I I mean I think that so uh, there's two things that I think are helpful for me coming into a movie like this, and one of them is the Coen Brothers of it, right? Mm. Like the the uh, you just see it's a it's like you see the cast and you're like okay I get 
what I'm in for. And you know, it's the Coen brothers writing and directing and you're like, this is going to be odd. And so I think I remember coming into the movie feeling like I'm not going to expect anything normal. Sure. Because I remember what Fargo feels like Uh when I watched that. And I was at first when I watched that, I was like, I I don't get it. This makes (laughs) me feel weird. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized I'm watching it wrong. Basically. Sure. You just got to embrace the weird. And so that helps me. But then there's this other thing that I want to chunk in on um, that helped me. Um, and I remember it being like a moment that you had, Anthony, when you saw Dune Part 2. Mm. And you were like, okay, now I know where I'm going in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when the – so the opening credits are going and then when it says based on Homer's The Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I think when I first watched it, I was like, okay, I hadn't heard that. And so I was like, okay, it's not, it, it's going to be some sort of like fantasy sure. movie. Like, and so then when weird things happened, and I hadn't read the Odyssey since I was in fr- like freshman year. Uh huh. I just assumed anything that was weird was because it was based on the Odyssey. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so everything that I didn't understand or that came out of nowhere, I immediately forgave. Sure. And so when I tell people about this movie, I say those three things. It's weird embrace the weird. Yep. It's a Coen Brothers movie. And it's based on an ancient epic poem. And so if things are weird, it's just because they're based on that. That's not entirely true. But for some reason, it really helps me yeah. love the movie more. Sure. Well, in that same mm-hmm. Charlie Rose, um, mm-hmm. Joel, Cohen, Joel Cohen, okay, here's what he said. He said, it didn't start as the Odyssey. It started as three guys escaping from a chain gang. It was essentially <laughs> an episodic story about the main character trying to get home. And he was like, and then yeah. we like, they were like, uh, and then we were like, we're like, well, maybe we could do a little Odyssey action, a little Homer. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then, dude, truthfully, like this is what they said. They were like, "We never read it." <laughs> like, so it's not like they like read that. Right. You know, we're like, "How it's can we remake that based. in the like very, yeah, very yes. like?" And they even said like, "We loved the idea of the title card." Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a Coen Brothers thing too, right? They lie totally. at the beginning of Fargo and say it's based right. on a true story, and it's not. Uh-huh. But yeah. but it defines that movie so differently when yeah. you think it is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. For this sure. this might be a way off uh, evidence, but uh-huh. that title card uh-huh. changes the whole experience for me. And then when I found out later, like you're saying, they had never read it, they uh-huh. probably know about as much about the Odyssey <laughs> as I do. Like there are sirens sure. in it. There are right. there are temptresses, which a, if a I had cyclops. to guess, there's a right? yeah, there's a cyclops uh-huh. in it. If I had to guess, it was probably the sirens that they were like, oh, this could be the Odyssey. That'd be fun because we know that there <laughs> are some in that. Yeah, and in Starbucks cups, like <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Starbucks is popular. Let's get some sirens yeah. in there. Um, but it, that for some reason, guys, that helped me lock into the movie right away. Sure. And yeah. And. I so I really like kind of an ancient or cl- not ancient but like classic literature 
redone, yeah. and I, ca- I came prepared with some more examples. You ready for this? Ooh, sure. So the one everybody probably knows is, did you know that West Side Story is like Romeo and Juliet? I don't know if you yep. knew that, but mm-hmm. it is. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one that I remember trying to impress girls with. Sure. <laughs> this is actually a Romeo and Juliet in New York City. What movie should we watch? West Side Story, and then I'm just waiting to drop mm-hmm. that cool nugget of knowledge I know. Um, you could also watch the Leonardo DiCaprio one. That's true. But that Remember one's that called one? Romeo and Juliet. You know what no, I mean? No, no, no. I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's not as impressive to girls. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, and these are off the top of my head, guys. You're going to be really impressed. Okay. The Ooh. Nutty Professor. Mm-hmm. I think is a remake of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. Okay. Um, Clueless, I just know this because of Clueless is an uh, update of Emma. Yes, I did know um, that one. And then Dark Knight Rises. This is, I didn't make this up. It's just something I read or I probably saw on DVD extras. Sure. Is like loosely based on A Tale of Two Cities and... Um, oh. Commissioner Gordon even reads part a part of that book at oh. at the funeral, um, oh, but it's yeah. based on that. So that really that for some reason that jazzes me and get, lets me give the movie some leeway to be odd and to take yeah. weird plot turns because I just figure oh that it must be because it's based on a a book that's mm. old. Yep. Is that the best of times? The worst of times? That tale of two cities. That was in it is. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, See, now you can make a movie based on it. There it is. That's all you need. The best of times and the worst of times. I was about to be impressed. <laughs> Anthony slipped up and said he only knew that because of Star Trek. <laughs> well, you only need to read the first page, bro, to see that. That's true. Sorry. Yep. Dang it. No, I says should've. I, who is, I'm relating it to The Dark Knight Rises. We're both, we're, I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> So, oh, anyways, oh, yeah. I I don't know I, right. I I don't know why, but that it just feels like that that really has always been something I've really loved about the movie, regardless of whether the Coens are going at it like beat by beat. Mm-hmm. There are just fun things that I little nuggets that I like, like the Cyclops and the Sirens, and just the 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 journey from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a doomed journey. So, yeah, I really like that aspect of it. It, sure. it, it attempts to tie it together a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it mm-hmm. gives it some feel of a, a flow a little more. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, well, I was just going to say at some point, Stephen, you had alluded to it, but we're gonna ha- we'll have to get into uh, Man of Constant Sorrow. Okay. Yeah, we mm. should talk music. Is this? Okay. A, is this? A, okay. Do you want us to chunk in on this for you? Yeah. This This will be one of my evidences. Great. Okay. okay. Awesome. This was going to be my mind too, bro. And I have it down as one of mine. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think the fact that all three of us had it written down uh, says something uh, for sure. Yes. And, you know, I think, like I said, Everett is not the hero of the story, right? And I don't know if there's really a clear-cut hero of this story. But to me, at least the person who ends up kind of being the catalyst and who made it all possible was Tommy Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, until he shows up, there's no hint of anything musical from these guys. He shows yeah, up right. and he immediately says, "We got to go sing into a can." You know, <laughs> and <laughs> <Love> um, <it. laughs> 
and he busts out this amazing guitar riff that just elevates the movie to a new level instantly. Mm. And he's he's an actual guitarist, right? This guy, that actor, he I must th- be. I oh, think I so. I mean, if you watch him playing, I mean, yeah. he knows how to move his hands. <laughs> Um, now that yeah. said, yeah, I think I mean, there's incredible lip syncing happening from George oh, yeah. Clooney and John Turturro and Tim Blake yeah. Nelson. Like they, that's not them singing. It might be Tim Blake Nelson at the end when he sings, "I'm in the jailhouse now." <laughs> I think oh, that's yeah, him. Yeah. But Man yeah. of Constant Sorrow is like that's Alison Krauss's band. That's like they're lip syncing that, but it look they're breathing right and they're lifting their eyebrows right. So good. Yep. Yeah, and I mean when they play that, like. The thing, the reason this is an evidence to me is like instantly, first of all, it just elevates the movie to a new level. It's like suddenly I'm like, wow, 100%. this movie just took off. And yes, also, yep. you totally buy it as a smash hit. Like, <laughs> like a huge part of this movie hinges on that song needing to be really popular. And okay. the fact that I it's so this. good, so catchy, and different from all the other songs in the movie, yet still fits in, it sets it apart. Yep. And here's here's where I'm bringing it home and why it's in evidence. They play it in the radio station and then the whole movie, it's building momentum, building momentum without us hearing it again until the climax Mm. when they Mm -hmm. busted out at that Mm. governor's event. And so the whole time you know it's gaining steam, but unlike, um, well, like that thing you do, that's got an amazing hit song in it that you hear over and over, which is awesome for that movie. For this movie, you never, you don't hear it again until the climax, where it just, just takes the roof off. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Hot damn, son! I believe you did sell your soul to the devil. Uh, yes, because they I, uh, this keep is awesome. mentioning it. Yep, but they don't. You don't hear it, right? Yeah, like, right. I, I love, I love the like. There are some like total that thing you do tropes in here. Like, so there's like. Who are these guys? We got to sign them to a sweet record deal. Like, you know, we got to get them a contract. And then another scene, like, do you by any chance have that record of, you know, Constant Sorrow, the Saki Bottom yeah. Boys? Uh, like, sorry, we don't that, have that. That's my favorite scene, by the way. Yeah. Um, th- th- where it's just these two non actors, and this woman's like, Do you have the Saki Bottom Boys performing Man of Constant Sorrow? No, ma'am, we got a new shipment in yesterday. Sorry, but we just can't keep it on our shelves. That's the whole that's the whole scene. It fades out. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> so good. But then how he like, yeah, that governor uh basically on the, like that because of their popularity and like you're exactly right, Jason. Like the steam that that builds is mm-hmm. the thing that turns his campaign upside down. Like yep. you're like, this is an impossible scenario. Like you know, where this reformer is going to come in and it's going to change the whole thing, and we're basically out of, you know, a constituency. If you is, is you ain't my constituency. <laughs> Dude, all that stuff was really good with with subtitles. Um, I because, mean, like, I got to go back and watch it right now. I you, can't believe I've really never thought do. of this. Because, yeah. like, you would never read it like that, dude. Like, if you were reading that script, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what yep. they do with a script. Mm-hmm. Which is a very, really, uh, a really cool written script, like yep. super interesting writing uh, in verbiage and mm-hmm. like words that we don't use regularly. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then to read it and then to hear the way they treat it is is amazing. But you're right, Jason. They the the song builds steam and is so good and so catchy and such a perfect earworm. 
Yeah. Well, that's what's so amazing yeah. is you only hear it yeah. once, and it, and then when you hear yeah. it the second time, it was it, it was like you were hearing it over and over because it's yeah. so catchy. Yeah. I am a man. I think I <laughs> the, did the harmonies. The, yeah. <laughs> so no, funny. The, yeah, and like that was, was another fun thing to watch that with subtitles. Not like you couldn't already get it, but is like I don't really I don't listen to lyrics, dude. I just don't. My huh. my Aaron and the girls think it's hilarious because I'm like I don't even know what they said. But then so he <laughs> like right he says his thing and then they come in they're like he yep. did this and he's like I did yep. this and they come in as a duet. It's it's a it's a really cool like it's a cool yeah. the lyrics are cool. The yep. melody rules, the harmonies mm-hmm. uh, when, when they're sung yep. right and they are in this movie yep. are so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a song you would die for to have written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah it, like, totally. You could die after writing this song and, and die happy. Yeah. And what? it's fun to sing along to because you don't yep. have yeah. to know all the words. You just do the echoes. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good call. Yep. So was this... Uh, so forgive my ignorance. I should know because I usually like to talk music. Was this written for this or was this a pre-existing song? I think this, the music guy, T-Bone, T-Bone Burnett. T-Bone Burnett. Yep. Yeah. I think he wrote this he, song and wrote some other and wrote not everything in the movie, but wrote a lot of the songs in this movie. You know okay. what? Actually, no, this one was not written for the movie. It, oh, it is an old song. It is. No way. It is. Hello. You can find You can find an old timey version of this song. But you know what? Oh, I thought man. it was made for this movie too. But what's interesting is you assume it was. Like, yeah. Because right. most people don't know it. It's not a, it's not You Are My Sunshine. You know, it's not one right, of these. Right, right, right. But I think what's so cool is like in the context of the movie, I think they're intending it to be as if, you know, Tommy Johnson wrote the song. Like, I mean, he brought the yeah. song from his, you know, whether it was because yep. the devil taught it to him or what, I I had that impression. <laughs> like, I didn't think in the movie mm-hmm. that they were supposed to be doing a cover of an existing song. Right. It's supposed right. to be a new smash hit that, in real life, was based on an old time song, but no, hardly anybody knew it before yeah. this. Okay. And it I, sounded I think, a little different. I think the music direction in this movie works well in that way because he does pepper in songs that are familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, you are my sunshine. Is you hear mm-hmm. that a lot? Yeah, or, I'll fly away in the highways, or I'll fly away, oh glory! Mm-hmm. Right, those are like okay, I've heard that before. So, what a how did they do it? They found yeah. this song that exists that nobody has heard, uh-huh. and so you yeah. assume it's an original, and they and just the way it's produced. Oh yeah. man. And it's oh, yeah. one of the few songs in the movie. I prefer the the acoustic version in this radio station. Yeah, but yeah. it's it just drives like so many of the songs mm-hmm. in this movie are kind of a more of a laid back, um, yeah. chilled out. Your you know yeah. you're my sunshine type feel. This one just drives heavy and has a little bit of a minor sound to minor key sound uh-huh. to it mm-hmm. uh, instead of the the happy. Uh, vibe that so many other songs in it have. Well, there's some dark songs in here too. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't drive like this one. I don't think as up tempo and stuff. But yeah, uh, I love I love it, dude. I love that guitar sound too. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know what's interesting in that cl- in the climax of the movie too is um you know it, it's again it's conflicting with racial tension and and such because the the clan <laughs> yeah. governor like outs himself yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And right. um, 
and the people turn on him and boo him and run him out of the building and stuff. But not probably not because they were so passionate about racial justice. <laughs> they just wanted right. to party with the soggy bottom boys. Yes. And little did <laughs> they know, little did they know that the person who made it all possible was Tommy Johnson, who's right mm-hmm, there yep. on stage. And no, it's like he disappears. Nobody ever sees him or acknowledges him. We for, we as a viewing audience forget about him after yeah, the right. shows are done. And it's so interesting how like sometimes progress can happen even without the right intentions. It's like you just kind yeah. of take the progress as it comes begrudgingly and you keep yeah. moving forward. You keep, you know, yeah. it's like they keep yeah. going down the railroad tracks at the end, just chugging forward, chugging forward. Yeah. It's an imperfect world. They, mm-hmm. they keep fighting for progress. Uh, it, it, it's not always pretty. And the governor yeah. who's yeah. portraying himself as, as the, the, uh, the for, the forgiving uh, what does he say a, a forgiven yeah. forget Christian he didn't he didn't care about any of that yeah. he's just looking out for himself so it's yeah totally. it's just funny how that song just was so pivotal and it changed so much and helped get these guys free um, yeah. and and helps oust this clan governor candidate uh, yet it it kind of did so by these powerful people just enriching themselves. It's, it's tough, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it is. Um, I had, a, I had a couple more thoughts on the music in general. And I, I texted this to you, Anthony earlier, like, because I was thinking about it last night, like, is this a musical? I, mm. I actually asked that to Jack last night while we were yep. watching it together. And I mean, Jack and I watch a lot of musicals together. Yep. Uh, and it's not a musical like, Fiddler on the Roof is a great example where all of a sudden everybody will break out into song and have a choreographed dance to move the story forward, right? There is a lot of, there is some of that that happens. And I, 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 I swear to you, there's a word for this, but it's not a musical like that. It's like all the musical, all the music is baked in Mm. and makes sense when it happens. And so the chain gang will be singing a song or the people going down to the baptism are singing. Um, because right. they would be singing a hymn, or uh-huh. it's a concert, or they're or they're recording it. Um, so it's not a musical, I don't think, in kind of that classic sense. But it is so reli- it's you can't separate the movie. In, in fact, I think it maybe is about music yeah. in some ways. This movie, yeah, yeah without sure. m- without music in this movie, it it would be. I mean, it would be just a shell of itself. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's not because they're using music as a gimmick to try to get your attention or something. It's ingrained in every fiber of its being, you know, (laughs) from square one. Yeah. Man, that that is a real tribute to the way they choose music. Um, And then Mm -hmm. T-Bone. Man, another Kruger Seinfeld reference, dude. (laughs) T-Bone. Um, because like, I love, I love how like, um, like many directors, like writer, directors, filmmakers have their sound, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like Spielberg, I mean, it's J dubs, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? The Coens, T-Bone's their guy. And so like, not only do their movies look a certain way, feel a certain way, but they sound a certain way. Yep. And like that collaboration always kind of blows my mind. Like, how do you get in a room and figure out, okay, Danny Elfman and Tim Burton. Right. They just work yep. well together. 
And when Tim Burton does a movie and Danny Elfman is not scoring it, it's weird. Yeah. Yep. And you're like, it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So, it, I, yeah, I, I, I just have, for some reason, have been thinking more about the music in this movie than I ever have before as we've been approaching this record. Um, and there's this thing that you, I think, Jason, you said it probably better than I will right now, but there's this thing about, like, if you're going to base and build a movie up to a piece of music, it better be good. Mm. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. I think we talked about this on the Bill and Ted result show about Bill and Ted 3 leading up to a piece of music, and it was like, yep. okay. Yeah. And yeah. I called it the Mr. Holland's Opus effect. Yep, totally. Yep. <laughs> where 100%. it's like the piece that they're writing this whole time isn't very good. But I think this movie, I think once, have you guys seen once? Yep. It, there's a moment where you're like, they're going to start playing and you get really nervous. And then the song is good. And you're like, this is it. We did it. Yep. Not we, but the movie did it. And the the music is great. That thing you do, I think is a great example. I, I'm sorry, Kevin. We're, I know he's bringing that movie into us next month, <laughs> but like, if that if that song wasn't catchy and good, yep. the movie would fall apart. Totally. And so this movie oh, yeah. does not suffer from Mr. Holland's Opus Syndrome. The, like the the music direction is so good. So we're probably saying the same thing over and over again here. But it, the point is, it's the 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 music is. I I think if anything is going to get this movie into perfect territory, it's going to be the music. For sure. Yeah, and what the music does for the movie. So this, you're right, they did it. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Um, anybody else have any other evidences? I have one small one. Yeah, I have one that has to do with the ending, so I can wait and be brief with it, too. If need. Okay. So, but yeah, what's up? Sure. Here, let me just let me just drop a couple lines in here, dude. Okay. I just, I love... Damn! We're in a tight spot. Like, I love it when you just, like, like, like they're, like, up in that, like, up in yes. that, um, you know, loft kind of thing with all the uh-huh. hay and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, we're, we're in a tight, tight spot. spot. You know what? Okay, here, let, let me just, I'll chunk in here, okay, real quick. Okay, great. Okay. Maybe an evidence for me is just how funny this movie is. Yeah. Like, it's so funny, dude. Like, <laughs> so I think this might be the thing that I remember the most from watching it in college mm-hmm. is I, I, you know, I, 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 sometimes I like slapstick. Um, yep. you know, I'm not, I'm not above slapstick. So like no. from, from, from the very, of course I'm not above it. I love it. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> I'm below it. I only like highbrow <laughs> comedy. Um, <laughs> but like just from the very first moment when he's like, when they're running, Ooh, good, perfect uh-huh. running scene when they're running to chase oh, yeah. the train. Yep, perfect train scene. Perfect train. We, it wasn't in there, dang it. Um, no, I think I had it. I think I had it in my perfect train app. Oh. Or okay. no, I think I mentioned it briefly. I think it But it is, it is a great like train. A quick mention, and I have forgotten yeah. this movie. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, they're both up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, wait, who's he up there? Well, Pete. No, no, not Pete. Delmar, sorry. Yep, Delmar he actually gets it. into the train. Yeah. Yep. And he starts talking to those guys, but Pete just can't keep up. And mm-hmm. so then you just you just know as an audience, like he's 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 falling <laughs> off. And yeah. then he just gets like sucked off of mm-hmm. the train. <laughs> Friggin' hilarious. Yes. So um, good. 
And then I just remember the, I just remember we thought at 122 North Orchard that cow getting shot was like hilarious. (laughs) So the cow getting shot moment for me is where you either lose people or, or get them. Okay. So when Babyface Nelson shoots that cow with a machine gun, and Delmar goes, "Oh George, not the livestock." Um, like I think you lose half the audience, and yeah. you get you you get a devoted audience that will love you forever in that okay. moment. I mean, it's so dumb, but it's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> I'm definitely on the latter side. When I saw him shoot that cow, I was like, I th- I think it's the greatest scene. <laughs> I think yeah. he, they did it. <laughs> there, there's a moment well, where then, John Goodman also squishes that frog. Oh, oh man, totally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Similar thing. Yep. Well, at the very kind of towards the end of the movie, when Babyface Nelson's getting brought through town for execution, mm-hmm. you hear a lady yeah. in the background, cow killer. And that yeah, cow was yeah. in the parade. Yeah, the cow was in the parade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the man. lynch mob includes a cow <laughs> who wants to execute this guy. Um, let me yeah. let me chunk in because mine is similar. Okay. Um, I think that you had mentioned Anthony that the writing is like really kind of unique and it's it's yeah. it's a really carefully written movie. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that makes it funny is the way each line is delivered. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Is you is or is you ain't is on the uh-huh. page, right? Yes. But the way that line is delivered totally. is incredible. Oh, George, yep. not the livestock is great. Or even like whenever he wakes up and the first he wakes up out of a nightmare, and the first thing that George Clooney always says, my hair. Right? right? He like he he just <laughs> mumbles my hair. Yeah. Or he says, My favorite line is, well, two favorite George Clooney lines is, isn't this a ge- isn't this town a <laughs> geographical oddity? Two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> when he's trying to buy stuff at that store. And then he yeah. says, he's talking to Tommy when they first meet him about, well, isn't this a coincidence? These boys just got saved. I guess I'm the only one that remains unaffiliated. Oh, yeah. And he's laughing at his own uh-huh. joke uh-huh. in that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And yep. it's just like, I don't know if he's actually laughing or that's acting. It doesn't matter to me. The each actor takes the lines out of the page so well and presents yes. them and makes them hilarious and quotable. And I just could, that's why I could watch it 30 times and not yes. get sick of it. Oh, man. So good. Yeah. 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 So good. I mean, that, that was that way for we're in a tight spot. Um, yep. cause he says it like three or four times. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think one of my other favorites too, dude is, um, two other favorites. Uh, we got a R U N N O F T. Mrs. Hogwallop up in R U N N O F T. Yes, R- it keeps coming back. Yeah. I love R U N N O F T. I yep. think that's funny. That we got to get <laughs> yes. that in some Gomer. That 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 could be a little clip for like a Good running idea. Out. Oh, um, we never thought of that. R U N N O F T. Great. <laughs> um, and then I just love how Helen uh, Helen Hunt. What Hel- Holly, Holly Hunter. Hunter? Yeah. Oh man. That was bad. Sorry, Ooh, Holly. No, Hunter. I'm the. Yeah, Holly Hunter. Michael. Yep. Michael Martin. Steve. Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve short. Martin. Michael. Helen <laughs> um, yeah. I just love how she keeps saying he's a bona fide. He's bona fide. Bona fide. He's bona fide. my favorite word but because of how Holly Hunter's. <laughs> he's bona fide, and first the girls say it. The, yeah, yeah, right. all their seven daughters or whatever. He's She's a suitor. Gotta do boo. She's got a new boo. He's a suitor. He's a suitor. 
He's not um, bona fide. You're not bona fide. She is so good in this movie. Probably has as much screen time as in the firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I just tell you about this house they lived in? Sure. I just read about this. So the Cohen brothers have this apartment in L.A. Okay. And here are their roommates. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. Spider-Man director, Sam Raimi. Holly Hunter, hmm. Francis McDormand from uh, Fargo, the pregnant yep. the pregnant cop in that movie. Yep. And Kathy Bates. Wow. Are wow. all roommates in this house? Amazing. Wait, now? <laughs> then? What? No, when? Then. Like okay, when yeah. they were when they were young, up and comers, all, all five of those people lived together in a house. That's incredible, dude. I know. I I was that for some reason that gave me so much pleasure. First of all, I, my guess is Kathy Bates was the hardest to live with. Because <laughs> she <laughs> seems like kind of like a little bit high strung. But like just what were there, you know, like you get all get home and you talk. Yeah. When you're like college roommates or totally. young adults, what were they talking about? Like, is that why they're all kind of crossing over into movies sure. together? I I don't know. I I just I just love that, and I think Holly Hunter is so funny and so funny that she's so short, and that new fiance she has is like seven <laughs> feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> he's bona fide. Um, he's bona fide. Yeah. Yep, I, I I wonder if like Francis McDermott was like just talking in like a really thick North Dakota accent. They're like, ooh, yeah, Fargo, yeah, and you know, d- right? The Coens were like, great, you're cast, and can you also uh-huh. be pregnant? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Jason, did you have one more piece of evidence? At the end of the movie, we can bring this to a close. Yeah, you know, you guys have kind of mentioned your criteria for a perfect movie rating you know, over time, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. One of the things for me is I feel like for a movie to be perfect, it has to have a perfect ending. Um, okay. And that can come in any variety of ways. There's no one right way to end a movie. But this yeah. ending, I love, love, love <laughs> the very <Okay>. end. <laughs> um, and it just seals the deal for me. So, you know, you got after Everett was at death's door and he has his mm-hmm. deathbed conversion and yep. then he is miraculously saved i mean it's by natural causes but you know it's all symbolic right right? but uh and then he's right back to his old self self-congratulatory thing yeah everything's working out for him even though he has to now find a new ring (laughs) Mm -hmm. it can all be explained it can all be explained yeah yeah (laughs) and then you know he and his family are kind of walking off walking off screen to to uh, to the side they're off screen and then the last daughter kind of you know, is following in step with them, and she stops for just a second to look down the railroad and sees the blind mm-hmm. prophet, um, yeah. still mm-hmm. chugging away close. on yep. on that cart going down the railroad tracks, and it's like, it's it's kind of sad in a way, it's kind of hopeful in a way, and it's just thought provoking. It's like this this little yeah. girl is she, we're all to an extent a product of our upbringing and our families. And it's mm-hmm. like she's having this moment here apart from her family and apart from her mm-hmm. kind of narcissistic dad of, yep. wait, who is that over there? Like, what is yeah. what is that guy all about? Little does she know, you know, th- this guy, uh, you know, foresaw everything that was going to happen and probably still knows a whole lot that's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they tug the little rope that she's on, the little leash, 
and she's yeah. off screen and the movie's over. She gets mm, yeah. just tugged along with her family and she's gone. And yep. it's like that fleeting moment of just, huh, I wonder who that was. And then she's yeah. gone and whisked away with her family and who knows what'll come of her. But I just love that. It just leaves me with a thought provoking scene. And I don't yeah. know if everybody maybe will notice it on the first viewing because it's all happening sure. so fast, but mm-hmm. something to think about as it closes. I love, I, I love this concept of the perfect ending. That's great. I mean, if you can land, especially in such a weird movie and a like a high concept movie like this, if you can stick the landing. Yep. Right? That and, and you're left like kind of breathing a sigh of relief that they they figured out how to end this weird thing. I yeah. think that goes a long way to a perfect movie. Dude, that's so good. You know what we should do, dude? Perfect ending. Yeah. We should Oof. we should rank <laughs> we should rank like maybe um favorite endings of movies or or like you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I mean I can remember one specific one and I don't know if we saw did we see Inception together, Anthony? Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember hardly being able to breathe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because of how that movie ended. Yep. Um and uh, j- just like there there's some times where you're like I was I was loving it up to this point and that you know 5 seconds Yep. Just pushed it into perfect ca- like uh-huh. territory for me. Yeah. I love is, that concept. We haven't talked top, about that much. Top going to fall over or stay up. Yep. I don't know. It sounded and like I was it was like, spinning please, really fast. I know. Fast, and I was like, please right? don't sh- please don't show us. Please don't show us. Please don't show us. And they didn't show. And I was like, thank you. You did it, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. They and showed I am the, your best friend forever. But they show the tiniest of quivers. Yes, uh-huh. there was that it's quiver. A tiny uh-huh. little quiver. Totally. Just and to then it make goes black right after the quiver. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. So listener, now it's up to you. We've done our best. And might I say, Jason, you did a great job. Yes, man. Oh, some thanks. great evidences, some great exhibits. It's been a blast. What do you think, listener? Oh, is this movie perfect? The best place to vote is to follow us right now on Instagram. Just go to Two Gomers. Um, we Annie, our social media guru, puts a uh, really easy to do poll up right after about a week after we do the episode and then we come back and we let you know whether or not it was perfect but you can also go to our facebook um send us an email let us know is oh brother comma where art thou question mark a perfect movie thanks to our webmaster adam jason for our graphics davis for our music and the aforementioned annie for our social media our next movie i know we've said this before we'll say it again that thing you do exclamation point with listener Kevin is coming next month. And then I think we're talking about Anthony doing Shawshank in the fall. Yeah, dude. Venn Venn diagram. No, not Venn diagram. Uh, let's see. Production people. Uh-huh. Same cinematographer as this. Oh, really? Yep. Hey. And so. it was in my DVD folder. Yes. Okay, good. So we're going to do a Roger Deacon celebration of his cinematography. I think we should just fan out my DVD folder and you have one too, Anthony, and just start yeah. pointing. Oh, man. And just do those. I think that actually would be pretty fun. Well, I have one DVD folder that is like all nine seasons of Seinfeld. Like, can right. you believe we had crap like that? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's So I, I have DVDs. 
on my bookshelf that aren't in this folder uh-huh. that are TV seasons and yeah. like I have all the Rockies and all oh, the yeah. aliens and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't know why I had the wherewithal to save the boxes on those, but those are nice display pieces. So would that Seinfeld set be. Yeah. Those boxes mm. are actually cooler than movies because you can fit like 10. I don't know. I just, I wanted to have them all in there. So we have like a TV <laughs> one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any do you have any TV seasons on DVD, Jason? To close yeah, us yeah. up. Yeah, like buried in the basement somewhere. We got yeah, we got all the Seinfeld. We got a, a bunch of Simpsons. Okay, uh, yeah. Yes, I was collecting those for a while. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, they're they're collecting dust. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, just think now you just take your Apple TV remote or your Roku and just waggle that thing. And you've got a billion things that you're choice anxiety, bro. That's why I can't ever watch anything. I'm I telling can't. you, we need to, we need to go back to the DVD folders, mm. and I'm only sort of kidding. Like <laughs> there is there is something beautiful about a, a Friday night, and Jessica and I had 50 movies to choose from, and sometimes we would pick um, Spinal Tap, and sometimes we would pick Sound of Music because those are the DVDs we had. Yep. Well, they say you're happier when you have fewer choices, right? So mm. they do say that, and I actually agree with it. Yep. Dude, that's good. You got your 50 movies that you cherish. <laughs> yes. Yep. And that's why people love talking about desert island stuff, right? Like, yep. It's it's actually kind of relaxing to think about what if I didn't have everything I wanted. Yeah. And I could just watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The rest of my life. Love it. Wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> for anthony it's what is what what what's your most rewatched movie oh is man. it deep impact no 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 um i mean it, that goes in seasons so you'd have to see the cue i mean my most listened to song ever is hymn to the fallen john williams right uh and that's from saving private ryan yep and it's not a song yeah. right but you know what i mean sure uh space camp maybe there you go. Now it's the Martian. <laughs> now it's the Martian. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Well, I'm going to try to get it to be Father of the Bride Part 2. All right, everybody. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jason, so much for coming. <laughs> Thanks, dudes. Thanks for bringing us this movie. I don't know if we would have done it. So I'm super happy when a guest brings a movie like this. It's pretty awesome. So awesome. Yes. We got to do a, a little bit of a Coen Bros. Uh, maybe we can rank Coen Brothers or something like that. That'd be fun. Okay, let's do that on the results show. We can okay, rank Coen Brothers. Okay, it. great. All right, well, great app. Super fun, man. Thanks again, Jason. And happy watching That Thing You Do! Exclamation point.
That was my hair. <laughs>